Just a word about our residency program. Uh, you know, I know we have some residents in the room. So, uh, yes, some of my favorite people. Honestly, we've had such a great year. Um, you know, 12 weeks to get through every major theological topic is an impossible task. But we, we did it, didn't we? We got through it. And it's so wonderful to watch and see uh, the growth in the residents as they prepare for themselves for ministry in the church, whether it's full-time or just as a forever leader in the church. And I'm so grateful for what we get to do. Uh, I hope you'll consider the residency program. If you were to give 11 months of your year, of your life, to be able to be trained and equipped in order to serve God and make a difference, I don't think you'd ever be disappointed in that. And uh, we, we have such a great community and fun uh, among our residents. So I hope you'll consider that. Come and join us for the interest night. Uh, learn more about that. Maybe you know somebody that you might want to recommend the program to. We'd ask you to do that. Well, we're continuing in our series that we're calling Conversations. Uh, conversations, your words have power. What you talk about shapes your life. It shapes the lives of the people around you. And we're actually going through the red book that's available here in the Next Steps areas. It's called Faith Basics. And today, we come up to one of the favorite topics of the world, and that is spiritual disciplines. Yay! Do you love disciplines? You know, I, 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 I probably should have come up with a catchier title than that, but hey, it is what it is. One thing I have to do is I have to get to the gym, and uh, my goal is three to five times a week to get on that treadmill, get my heart rate up, go two and a half miles, and so, you know, I'm constantly trying to find a time to go to the gym. Now, my favorite sidekick when I go to the gym is my son, James. James is my favorite person to go with, and he often goes with me. But I'm going to have to admit to you that this week, even though I hit four times this week, yeah, that's a success. Uh, that's 10 miles, yeah. Uh, I, I had to force myself to go probably three out of four times. I mean, I'm like, I'm just so tired. Uh, I got other things to do. I'm too busy. And, but you know what a discipline does it forces you to power through and do what you don't want to do to accomplish what you know you need to accomplish. That's the nature of a discipline. It le you lead yourself with intentionality to accomplish the goal. James and I will have discussions about how much soda and chips that we can eat um, and I love James because, you know, he cuts right through the discussion. He'll say things to me like, Dad, skip this topic. Or maybe, Dad, leave my chips business alone. <laughs> Disciplines by their very nature are not easy. But why do we do them? It's because we know there's a good result in the end. Spiritual disciplines are like that too. I had a friend who, we were missionaries in the Philippines together, and one day he came and told me the story about how he was out with a group of other men, and they were doing some snorkeling, 
Uh, honestly, the Philippines is a, an archipelago of 7,000 islands. We have some of the best, most beautiful coral reefs in the world. The reefs are gorgeous. The fish are amazing. Uh, it is absolutely mesmerizing to put on your mask with that little snorkel breathing tube and just put your head down in the warm South China Sea and float and watch and see. And, and he said he was doing that one day with a bunch of uh, friends because you never do it by yourself. You should always have a buddy. And he said, I, I was just like taken by the beauty and I wasn't thinking. And he said, about 15 minutes, I had my head down. And finally, I looked up. And when I looked up, a little bit of panic gripped me because an undercurrent had carried me out into the sea. I couldn't see any of my buddies. I was far away from the shore. And for a minute there, I thought, oh my. Is this the day I'm going to die? He said, in my panic, it went to prayer. And I just began to beg God, God, will you please help me? He says, then out of the blue, a single small fishing banca, it's a little canoe kind of thing, comes puttering over the horizon. And I begin to raise my hands and scream and splash and I got their attention and they pulled me into the boat and I didn't die. You know, here's, here's the thing about life. We are in an ocean of currents all the time. The currents are constantly pulling us in different directions. Um, the truth about life is that you and I never drift into greater righteousness, greater obedience, greater purity, greater godliness. I mean, the drifts of life are not for the better. The natural drift of life is always in the wrong direction. Nobody gets up in the morning and takes a little whiff and says, man, I smell even better tonight than I did, um, this morning than I did last night. Nobody goes like this, oh, how is that? My breath got better overnight. I'm here to tell you it didn't. Because the drift is never in the, in the, in the positive direction. We have to, with intentional efforts, get up take a shower, put on clean clothes, brush our teeth, squirt on some cologne. We do not, nobody drifts towards a six-pack. You know what I'm saying? I keep dreaming that'll happen. All of the good progress that we make is because of the disciplines in our life. The disciplines in our lives keep us from drowning in the South China Sea because the currents are constantly taking us in wrong directions. Spiritual disciplines are daily, weekly decisions we make because we understand the drift. 
We fight against the drift. We don't have to live as victims. We can be victorious. We can fight the fight, and with God's help, we can win. And while the currents are working against us, here is the message. Jesus, the Son of God, came. He died on a cross to pay for our sin, to redeem us, and then he sends us his Holy Spirit to transform us day by day. We do not engage spiritual disciplines in our own strength. We engage spiritual disciplines in the power of the Holy Spirit. This is God at work in us, but you know what? You still gotta be at work in the disciplines. We live in a day when the culture says to us, you know what? You need to follow your heart. Be true to yourself. If you love it, you do it. I mean, there, I'm reading about a new chi- a kid's cartoon movie And the whole point of the movie is sometimes you got to disobey mom and dad in order to be true to yourself. I'm I'm just going to say that did not come out of scripture. This is what I read about in the Bible. It's a warning. Jeremiah 17, 9, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? How many of you have ever been deceived by your own heart? Every time I hear in the news that yet one more church leader has fallen, it scares me. It makes me stay focused on the disciplines because here's the deal. If you and I are not intentional, the currents around us are going to lead us to our destruction. This is the plan of Satan. This is the work of the culture. This is the work of the world in which we live. We must have spiritual disciplines if you and I want to succeed. Now, in our book, if you go to highstreet.org conversations, you can actually download the red book which is what I did. I copied and pasted the notes from the chapter on spiritual discipline straight into my iPad. It's a beautiful thing to live in this day. I want to give you the, the disciplines that are here. This is not a comprehensive list. It's just a suggested starting list. But here are the disciplines that we have listed in that book. Scripture reading is a discipline. Prayer is a discipline. Scripture memory is a discipline. Fasting you know, fasting is saying no to what your, your, your body and yourself wants. It's declaring the, these pulls, these passions, these will not rule over me. Giving and tithing, which is a percentage giving. Rest. Resting in the Lord. Because you know what? We live in a very troubled world where will you find rest where will you offload your anxiety I'm going to tell you you need to find rest in the Lord and then engaging in the church the church is the gift of God Jesus says on this rock I will build my church that's the assembly that's what we're doing right now and the gates of hell will not prevail against it I've heard people say you know I love Jesus I just don't like the church well there's something wrong in that equation because Jesus loved the church so much he died to establish what we're doing right here today you people have said to me I don't like churches because they're full of hypocrites of course they are have you never read the Bible all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God is there anyone here who is not a hypocrite raise your hand no don't do that because you'll embarrass yourself because we know that from time to time you are too you're looking for a perfect church they don't exist 
the beauty of the church is by the grace of God, you and I in our imperfect state come together and worship a holy God. And we hang on to each other and we love each other and we serve with each other. So I, I can't go through all of these disciplines today. I just want to go through three. I may have cheated on number one, but let, let's just call them three. The first one I want to look at is, is scripture reading and prayer. I, did, I put two of them together. And if you do the prayer correctly, which means you find a prayer closet, which is a place of solitude, okay? <laughs> it's the third one. I'm such a cheater. Can you, you know, I'm sorry. But scripture reading coupled with prayer, meditation on scripture, in the presence of God, in order to seek his presence, is one of the most powerful things in your life. It, it, is, the, it is so powerful to combat the drifts of life that pull us in wrong directions. Gallup poll once did a, a, a study in Christian, Christianity Today reported this, that no factor is more influential in shaping a person's moral and social behavior than regular Bible reading. I mean, absolutely important today is to understand that reading the Bible, not because you've never read it before, maybe some of you haven't, but some of you have, but to read the Bible every single day is absolutely critical. It's a discipline that will untether you from the natural drifts of your own deceitful heart and the world around us. How often should you read? Well, let me ask the question. How often are you faced with problems, temptations, and pressures? Every day. I mean, how often do you need instruction, guidance, and greater encouragement? Every day. I mean, how often do we need to see the face of God and hear his voice and feel his touch and know his power and know that we are not alone, that someone is there to guide us and help us and through the power of the word and the Holy Spirit working within us to transform us and make, her into, make us into the people we're supposed to be every day. Every, every day, the first conversation I want to have is with God. I mean, if my wife wakes up and she's there, I'm going to say hello. But I want to get to my spot. And I want to, I want to read. And I want to pray. You know, um, D.L. Moody said this about the idea of daily Scripture reading and prayer. He said this, A man can no more take in a supply of grace for the future than he can eat enough for the next six months or take sufficient air into his lungs at one time to sustain life for a week. We must draw upon God's boundless store of grace from day to day as we need it. Every day. Did you know I mean, the Bible is scary big. You know what I'm saying? That's, that's a lot to read. Some of you aren't readers, are you? 
Did you know that you can listen to the entire Bible as it's read in about 71 hours? And you say, wow, that's even, that's crazy. That's too long. Well, yeah, maybe. But did you know that the recent studies of 2021 say that overall media consumption among U.S. adults is, uh, you know, on the internet through online stuff is about 666 minutes per day. That's 11.1 hours a day that the average person spends on the internet. I think we could spend 15 minutes and read the word of God and talk to God and begin the day by remembering that he is there. Some people, uh, I've had a discussion with family members in recent weeks where, you know, they said that they have friends that are, they're sort of in the deconstructing mode. You know, that's the term now, deconstructing their faith. That they don't even know if they believe the Bible. I mean, the Bible is full of all kinds of things they don't like. Well, of course it's, it's full of stuff that they don't like. And one, one in particular uh, thing was, they said, I mean, look at, look at, uh, what Abraham did and Sarah did to Hagar. You know what they did? They forced a slave girl, a, a servant, to become a surrogate mother by sleeping with her master and delivering a child. It didn't work. It was a mess. Uh, today in history, we're still dealing with the Isaac-Ishmael conflict. I mean, who said that that was even a good idea? To, it wasn't a good idea to God. I mean, there's stuff in the Bible that's ugly and unjust and terrible. It should disturb you. But if you, you take everything in the Bible and superimpose that on the character of God, when he actually told Abraham, no, that's not the thing to do. You're making a mistake. But you know what? If you read it and you're disturbed and you want to argue with God about it, that's better than not knowing it. Read it. If you want to be successful in this discipline, the first thing you got to do is you, you've got to get a plan. you got to get a plan. A Bible reading plan. You could go to the bookstore and buy, read through the Bible in a year. I love that. Um, me, my favorite plan is this. The Bible app. Anybody have the Bible app on your phone? Are you kidding me? That's the greatest invention of all time when it comes to the discipline of reading the Bible. You know, I, I, I've got the read through the Bible in two years plan because I'm sick of trying to rifle through the Bible. I want to slow it down and I'm so enjoying that. And one thing I love about the Bible app is every single day, hey, if you want to start with something, every single day you, you go, open the Bible app, and it has one person reading a verse or two verses, and in a one to two minute commentary, saying a few things about that verse. And what I love about that Bible app and that particular thing, at first I didn't like it because, you know, I wanted to be Mr. Studious, and I don't need anybody to tell me what to do, right? But, but, but I do. And now I love it. There are old people talking, there are young people talking, there are men talking, there are lots of women talking, there are people from every ethnic uh, group, I mean there are people from literally all over the world, from China, from India, from the, the Philippines, I mean I absolutely celebrate every morning when I get up and I, I listen to my one verse with it and then read it. 
God is so big. He is so good. Let me tell you, here's the last two days, just to give you an example. Today, the verse was Isaiah 55, 8 to 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways your ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. And I sat there this morning, and I read that verse, and I thought, you know what, God, it's true. There's a lot of stuff going on in the world that confuses me, and I don't understand what's going on, but you, you're God. I mean, there are things that go on in my life, personal things, and I'm like, God, why in the world? What are you doing here? And, and I'm reminded, well, wait a second, Eddie, you're not God, turns out, okay? He's God, and his thoughts are higher than your thoughts because he is eternal, sovereign, the ruler of heaven and earth who knows all things, who has a plan and is working out that plan. So you just need to surrender and let him be God. Yesterday, Psalm 46, 1. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in time of trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. I, sometimes I read past the one verse, which is what I do, this one. Therefore, we will not fear, even though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though its waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with its swelling, Selah. I mean, wow. We're talking about major cataclysmic disasters, and this psalmist said, if all of that happens, God is still our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. What are you afraid about today? I want to tell you something. You can find a place of peace if you will offload your anxiety into the hands of a mighty God who declares himself to be our refuge and our strength and the very present help in time of trouble. It's going to be okay. It, it ends with verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. Just be still. Don't you feel the peace in that verse? My point is this. You've got to have a plan. Hey, that's my plan. Make up your own. Or copy mine, whatever you want. Prayer. Pray the verses back to God in that time where you read the Bible and pray and seek the Lord. You will be establishing one of the most life-changing um, disciplines. It is so important. Number two, um, another discipline is giving tithing you know what tithing is tithing is percentage giving you know some people say well I don't really tithe tithe is, is an Old Testament um, uh, idea that comes in the life of Abraham it's first mentioned in the Bible and David, uh, Abraham tithes after winning a great battle what does tithe mean you give the first ten percent the important term there is first ten percent is a percentage kind of giving to God in an act of worship and thanksgiving um, 
I have some people say, well, I don't, I don't, I don't like to tithe. I don't want to like be confined to any plan. You know, but when I see needs, I like to give to needs. When I, when I feel moved to give, I, I give. And what I want to say to you is, you should. But I want to say to you that giving, when you feel like giving, is not a discipline. It's a response. Percentage giving is powerful. Because it's a discipline. I give that percent because I'm honoring God. It's part of the disciplines of my life. It will, it will change your life. There, there is this interesting passage in Luke 16 where Jesus is talking specifically about money. And he says this in verse 11, therefore, if you have not been faithful in unrighteous mammon, that means money, who will commit to your trust the true riches? Whoa, that's an odd statement. So if you are not honoring God with like money, actual money, then you actually are forfeiting true riches because if you can't get that one right, then there's stuff God won't give to you because there's stuff way more important than money. And then he goes on to say, you can't serve two masters. You will either love one or hate the other. You can't serve God and money. You know, it's interesting that Jesus didn't say, you can't serve God and the devil. He didn't say that. He said, you can't serve God and money. Why? Because money is probably the most powerful thing that you and I handle. You get enough money, you're getting a lot of power. And he says, I want you to worship me. Keep me first. The discipline of giving. Lastly, the discipline of engaging in church. You know, the great thing about coming together in worship is we fulfill the heart of Jesus who gave himself for the church, who promised when two or three are gathered in my name, I'm going to be in the middle of them. When you come together and worship with other people, you do something you can't do by yourself. Actually, here's one of, here's one of my big problems, okay? <clears throat> I tend to think I'm the center of the world. I kind of think the world revolves around me, or at least I want it to. But when I come to worship with you and become one person in the crowd, all of a sudden I'm, I'm reminded, no, this isn't all about me. I came to church with you And I fade into the crowd and I worship God with you. Um, it's a powerful thing to stand here and to worship with each other. You know, you should sing in church. Did you know that? Um, I used to love sitting by my mom in church. Because my mom, when we would sing, she, she, she would have two versions of her singing. 
at first she would start out with a lot of energy and she would sing the hymns like an opera singer with vibrato and she's singing. And, and then after a while she would get tired and she would drop down to the lower register. I'm singing. And I used to love, I stood there and I'd just watch her. I'd listen to her. And you know what? Now I do the same thing. I can't keep up with Kyle. Are you kidding me? Did you know that God wants you to sing in church? Did, in, in fact, in Psalms, uh, it, it, it talks about singing to the Lord a new song. Um, Psalm 95. Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to him with psalm. For the Lord is, uh, the, Lord is the great God, the great king above all gods. In his hand are the deep places of the earth. The heights of the hills are his also. The sea is his. O come, in verses verse 6, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Some of y'all have terrible voices. Did you know that? You don't sound pretty. Sing anyway. Oh, but if I sing, people will notice that I have a bad voice. You know, they probably already know. Why would you do that? Because I'm here in the assembly of God's people. We're really needy. And we don't get it right all the time but I'm here because I'm, man, I don't, I don't want to be swept out to the South China Sea and drown in a panic. You know, sometimes I don't feel like coming to church. I mean, it's a really good motivation for my wife to remind me, you know, Eddie, you are the pastor. I, that doesn't really happen, does it? It's happened for other things, not church service, but I need to be here with you. I need to make myself small and to surrender to God in the assembly of God's people. If God inhabits the praises of his people, I think I need to be counted. I need to be here for that. Sometimes you don't want to come to church. You know why? Because you've had a bad week and you feel guilty and you walk in and everybody says, hey, how you doing? And you're like, oh, you know, all you perfect people. They're not perfect, let me just tell you. But you, you come to church, you can feel guilty. Hey, guess what? That's a good thing. It's an opportunity for you to make a course correction. To say, I, I, I'm, I'm going to just confess my sin. You know why we come to church? Because, you know, when I feel guilty in church, I confess my sin. 
if you, if you every week decide to join the assembly of God's people, to allow God to speak to you and to examine yourself in his presence among his people and to worship him whether you are worthy or not, it will keep you on track. Disciplines, spiritual disciplines. Why? Because we're swimming around in this world like the South China Sea and there are so many currents pulling us in the wrong direction. Our own deceitful hearts make bad choices. We lose perspective. We give into what we want. But disciplines. With the power of the Holy Spirit and Jesus is our Savior. Lead us down a path of victory. We can win. We can be like the Apostle Paul at the end of our lives and say, I have fought a good fight. I have finished the race. Not been perfect, but I'm good. That's why this is important. Would you bow your heads, please?